You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, Lacrosse is at it again with a new line of lace-up hunting boots, the Navigator Series. And in that Navigator Series, there are two models. There's the Atlas for men and the Windrose for both men and women. To find out more information about this new Navigator Series, visit lacrossefootwear.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome back. And today we're going to be talking with Joel Johnson. And Joel is a pheasant hunting nut. He's also a deer hunting nut. But today we're talking about things that you can do to improve your wing shooting skills. Now, for me, I got a lot out of this podcast because I am not a wing shooter. I don't. I own one gun. I know it's a Mossberg. I know it's a 20 gauge, but I very rarely go duck hunting or quail hunting or partridge hunting or pheasant hunting and very rarely, right? So um, I took a lot away from this podcast from the point of, you know, hey, I'm a, I'm a deer hunter for the most part. Uh, it's something that I would love to do more of, especially duck hunting. I found duck hunting very interesting over the last couple of years, and it's something that I want to do more of. And on this episode, Joel kind of talks us through ways that we can improve our wing shooting skills, accuracy. We talk about guns. We talk about leading. We talk about ammunition. Uh, we talk about uh, ammunition and gun matchups for different species of birds. And uh, just a really overall good episode uh, with lots of good information, right? So before we get into uh, the meat and potatoes of this podcast, though, we're going to talk a little bit about Bondurant Custom Furniture. Again, I always say this, right? Uh, these guys are doing some amazing work. Uh, they have some really good skills, right? They got some really good people behind the products that they make. So one thing that they're really known for is taking these old uh, whiskey barrels and they're refurbishing them into furniture, tables, chairs, uh, coffee tables, clocks, artwork. Uh, they're doing a lot of cool things with that. But then they also have the uh, the custom uh, side as well and they're making some really cool custom cab uh, cabinetry uh, again tables chairs all that stuff so what i always recommend is go to bondurantcustomfurniture.com check out their website uh, check out the gallery and take a look at all the f awesome furniture that these guys are making and then uh, reach out to them their telephone number and all their contact information is on the website and you can call them up talk to them about what you're looking for and I have a, a really good feeling that they're going to be able to accommodate all of your needs so bondurantcustomfurniture.com check them out also before we get into the podcast today on the front end here I want to tell you that if you're not subscribing to the Iowa Sportsman podcast you need to be whether that's on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast also leave a review 
Also, be sure you're visiting the Iowa Sportsman website. That's iowasportsman.com. Tons of great information there as well. And then lastly, we need to uh, go and subscribe to the magazine, right? Get a subscription to the magazine because there is a ton of good information on there as well. And you guys, uh, you're getting it from the podcast. You're getting it from the magazine and the website. And it's the triple threat of really good hunting, fishing, outdoor content from the state of Iowa. So I've talked too much in this intro. Let's get into today's Tips for Wing Shooting Success podcast with Joel Johnson. All right, I am back here again with returning guest Joel Johnson. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, the last two days, it's been really hot here in Iowa, and now this cold front comes through, and I don't know about you, but I'm starting to itch to get outside and start <laughs> start shooting some things. Yeah, for for sure. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know it's supposed to be actually be really cool this week, uh, really cool at night. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll start getting some leaves falling and and uh, maybe go out and try and shoot a squirrel uh, while I'm uh, sort of in the back of my mind getting ready to uh, uh, to hit a stand or a blind here uh, towards the end of the month. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I got a mule deer hunt in South Dakota that I'm going on at the end of this week. And uh, so I'll be gone all next week. And after that, then you kind of get into that mid-October period where there's, uh, depending on what the acorn crop is like, you know, deer aren't aren't uh, hitting the field edges till late. And so I don't get too excited about it. But I tell you, one thing I'm really excited about this uh, year is I have two cell cameras out. And it's pretty cool that I get these pictures sent to my phone and it just is kind of proof that, uh, there, I shouldn't be excited, uh, quite yet because <laughs> all the big dogs are still like walking around at midnight, one in the morning. Yeah. I, I've had a few, um, and I actually, I need to, you know, do a little more research on, on why it seems like I get, a, uh, you know, I get kind of a a uh, a shot of of mature bucks in the daylight in my food plots not every day not not every week uh but it seems like one time period during every month you know i'll see a bunch of them and then i won't see them again for a while so i don't know if it's if it's weather or if it's you know moon phase or, or whatever but uh definitely you know uh, the one thing i have seen which is encouraging though is um bachelor groups are are getting are getting busted up pretty hard i have yeah. uh i pulled camera chips last weekend um and i have all kinds of footage of of uh you know uh a couple of real nice bucks you know posturing up to each other you know kind of doing the, the sideways walk with the with the ears back and then i have a you know a bunch of footage of uh you know uh, I'd say like two and a half year old bucks, second rack bucks, uh, fighting, you know, pre- pretty aggressively actually, uh, in my food plot. So they're starting to feel it. Um, and you know, I, I've also seen, uh, you know, some youth, uh, some youth hunters have been having some success on, on some really nice deer. So, yeah. um, that's one other thing. If, if we, if it, if it would stop raining this week here in Western Iowa, I've considered, uh, maybe getting one of my girls out or, or both of them if they have time, um, this weekend, 
uh, maybe even do a little rattling the way I've uh, been seeing them fighting on my cameras. But you know, we'll see what happens. If it gets warm, I'm, you know, I'm not one for for sweating and, and slapping right. bugs when I'm out deer hunting. So, right. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have already probably, I would have already had like two hunts under my belt and it's October 2nd today when we record this. Then you realize that not much is going on in the first, you know, 20 days of October. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you know, give, give or take a, a couple cold fronts moving through, but then something happens at the, you know, the last couple years, it's almost automatic on the farm. The big dogs start to step out right around mm -hmm. the 27th, 28th of the month. And I, when I say step out, I mean daylight walkers. Right. So that's the time where I start to get a little, you know, I got too much work to do uh, throughout the month of October. I got to get the brownie points built up, maybe go tailgating with the <laughs> wife a couple times, <laughs> and then I can disappear for uh, yeah. you know, three weeks and uh, – but, you know, I don't know. There's something about a whitetail you know, that gets me jacked up. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned that. And I'm actually adjusting my uh, – I don't, you know, in general, I, I don't early season whitetail hunt at all. I mean, I usually don't even – I don't even consider it till, you know, maybe Halloween, maybe, you know, first week in November. Um, uh, I just – I try and keep things, you know, clean from a scent perspective, et cetera. Uh, but I'll tell you, the last two seasons, uh, I did a little research uh, with the Drury Brothers and, and a couple other of the, you know, the pros out there that that I actually, uh, I actually, uh, you know, followed for a number of years. Uh, I had the, the the two biggest bucks uh, on the farm that I that I hunt the most. They stood up in food plots last year, 25th of October and the 27th of October. Uh, I'm talking 10 in the morning, they're in the food plots and they're yeah. checking does. And, you know, I didn't think much about it until after the season. And, you know, the fact that both of them got shot by, by the neighbors again for the second year in a row. Uh, and the same thing, I was looking back at camera picks and the same thing happened two years ago. You know, those, those, those big mature deer started stepping out in the food plots that last full week of October. And then, you know, I waited till, you know, the, the, you know, fifth through the 15th roughly of, of November to really start hunting during the rut. And not only did I never see either of, you know, the biggest bucks on the farm, you know, I never saw them on the cameras again until, until, uh, you know, the end of the month, uh, and you know, in December, they both got shot. So, uh, this year I'm going to change it up a little bit, uh, between my own observations and, and what the Drury's, um, they, I think, uh, Mark or Terry shot a, you know, 170 inch, monster and and uh, one of their daughters shot one you know 160 or 170 um you know like the 22nd 23rd 25th of october last year and basically you know their recommendation was hey that last week of october the you know the first day you start seeing mature bucks in your food plots get out there get in a stand get in a blind in between where they're bedding and feeding uh, and it might be the easiest time to bag, you know, the biggest buck in your farm that yeah. you'll, that you'll have. Yeah. Um, cause afterwards, you know, they're gonna, you know, once the rut starts, they're just, they're history. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Anyway, so I'm going to change up this year. I'm going to try a couple late October hunts and see how it goes. Well, good luck on that. And if you, uh, I'd love to get you on regardless of the outcome, just to see if it was worth it or not. And, uh, but we got to make a hard transition now. 
because <laughs> like I think uh, we could sit here and talk about whitetails all day, but you wrote an article uh, in the recent Iowa Sportsman magazine called Tips for Wing Shooting Success. And before uh, you know, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I got to share a real quick story with you. There was, uh, this was several years ago, and I'm not a gun guy at all, right? I, I, every once in a while, when I say every once in a while, I mean once every seven years, I might go pheasant hunting, and that's it, right? And I don't practice, I'll just pick up a gun and go. Well, one year, I got invited to this um, benefit that to, to raise money for Boy Scouts of America, and the benefit was... Uh, you get a team together, the team collects money from sponsors or whatever, and you go on this uh, skeet shooting or uh, sporting clays course in Illinois. And I went there, and the first station, I missed both my targets, right? We, we showed up late, so I didn't get a chance to practice. But I picked up a gun, 20-gauge, no choke on it, nothing, just regular 20-gauge. Regular picked it up the first stop I missed the first two I went on to maybe miss one more the entire day and I placed out of 213 people I placed seventh so I got really 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 lucky (laughs) but it's a it's a story I tell everybody because um I I don't ever practice guns you know with guns Mm -hmm. I I'm a bow hunter and uh, I just don't I don't bird hunt at all and it's, mm-hmm. I want to get into it more. So I think this is a, an awesome, uh, awesome topic for this podcast. So just like really high level, right. Uh, maybe compare it to archery. Cause that's something that I'm used to is, mm-hmm. is shooting a gun preparing for like pheasants or quail or duck similar to maybe preparing with a bow. Um, I think it's, I think it's similar. Um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an avid bow hunter too. So, uh, I, I think both shooting both, um, uh, you know, the approach to it, the technique involved, you know, kind of all of those things are, are, are very similar. Uh, I would say, uh, the margin of error shooting, you know, shooting archer equipment is much greater with a shotgun. I mean, I, I mean, literally the the word itself uh lends it to that you know we we shoot a big ball of of shot because uh you know birds are are fairly small targets and you know uh precision isn't necessarily uh uh, the most important aspect but i think from a a a preparation perspective you know you can learn how to shoot a bow um pretty well at least you know at a high level you can you can be taught the fundamentals in a day Uh, i think the same is true for for shooting clays or sporting clays or, or, uh, or ski. Um, I think it's what you do after is that, you know, that's the most important thing because both I think are very, very perishable skills. And by that, you know, you have to practice. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why, you know, as bow hunters, you know, by the time October 1st arrives, you know, usually you've got, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of arrows into a target, uh, before the season starts, you know, not only just, just to check your equipment, but, uh, you know, to rebuild that muscle memory. Cause you know, I don't know about you. I don't do a lot of in season, um, practice. 
uh, during archery season, you know, yeah. uh, I really rely on, on the muscle memory and, uh, in things that I do during the summer to, to kind of carry me through. Now, if I, you know, if I drop it or if I, you know, banging around or, or if it's just been, you know, a long rut and I haven't pulled a, pulled the string back on anything, you know, I might shoot a few arrows, um, uh, throughout, you know, month of November or something, but I don't practice a lot during the season. And I think the same goes for, for, you know, guys that are doing um, a lot of duck or, or pheasant or, or, or goose hunting, you know, they're going to get out <clears throat> if they're in a skeet club or a trap club or, you know, sporting clays club, you know, they'll shoot a few times or, or, or even more than that, maybe weekly during club events and things like that. But, you know, once the season starts, um, I think most, uh, most guys I know, at least the, the boxes of clays get put away, <clears throat> the throwers get packed back up and, and, uh, you know, then it's on. Right. Right. So, you know, obviously with a bow, you're standing still or, or the, the target for the most part is standing still, or you want it to be standing still with a shotgun, you know, uh, with, even with a slug, the target standing still, uh, how do you practice for moving targets that can literally come from any direction, left, right, up, down, behind you, in front of you, all that. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, for the left, right, and the straight out in front of you, you know, anybody, you can you can go super uh, super cheap and buy a hand thrower. Uh, you, know, you can get them at Walmart. You can get them any sporting goods, decent sporting goods store is going to have a you know, uh, 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 these plastic hand throwers where you can, you can slip one, uh, one clay target in there. And, and, uh, you know, after, after a few tries, you know, you can pretty well master, you know, whipping those babies out and you, you can get them, you know, you can get them buzzing pretty good. And so, um, you know, it takes a couple guys to be safe. Um, one guy shooting, one guy throwing, uh, but you can kind of practice the left to right with that way. Uh, that's what we did when we were kids forever. Uh, but I did end up buying, uh, you know, I had a, a Black Friday special several years ago. I ended up getting, um, oh, I can't remember the brand or the name, but it's, it's one of these electric, um, throwers. Um, basically just I take my pickup out to a public hunting area, um, or out to my buddy's pasture and, you know, we'll hook it up to the, to the truck battery and it's got a long cord. Uh, and it's got a magazine that holds 25 or 30 clays and, and, a and a, uh, 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 a foot actuator actually. So whoever is shooting, um, uh, you know, they can decide, you know, when the bird flies, you know, you can set up, you know, uh, to the left, to the right, however you want, you know, whatever angle you want to practice, um, you can really do that. It makes it much easier, much faster, and you know, much more efficient use of your time. So, uh, if you don't get the money for electric thrower, hand throwers are good. You can even bolt together two of those hand throwers and, and put a uh, extension on them if you you know really want to uh, get your practice on without uh, you know spending a couple hundred bucks on an electric thrower. So, I mean that's uh, you know repetition. Assuming you already know the mechanics um, and you've got a gun that fits you. Uh, you know, just repetition, just like bow hunting, uh, or, or even shooting a rifle for that matter, you know, getting behind, uh, getting behind that shotgun and, and shooting as many clays as you can, um, until you're, you know, you're feeling confident and comfortable that, you know, whichever direction a, a bird may be coming from that you're going to nail it. Yeah. So 
how often are you like moving? Do you just set set your thrower when you're when you're practicing down in one spot, or are you moving all over the place to kind of simulate a variety of different uh, incoming or outgoing targets? Yeah. So for me, you know, ninety nine percent of my wing shooting is is pheasant hunting, and so um, I don't practice uh, targets coming at me. Uh, but I do, you know, I, uh, and we, we hunt almost exclusively with dogs. So, uh, I'm practicing, you know, that, uh, that dog on point that, you know, that flushing dog in front of me, um, jumping a bird, uh, right out in front of me. Um, and then I'm, I'm also practicing, you know, off the left or off to the right, trying to, to practice crossing shots from both directions. So for me, it's really kind of three stations or three positions, uh, and that covers, you know, 80, 90% of, of the real world, um, attempts I'm going to get out of bird in any during, you know, any given season. Gotcha. So does your approach then change, uh, depending on what species you're hunting, uh, whether it is a pheasant versus a, a smaller target, like a quail or, uh, a, like when you yourself are stationary, like uh, mm-hmm. in a duck blind? Uh, so yeah, yeah. I mean, the answer is yes. So, um, the thrower I have, you can adjust the, uh, the angle. So you can, you know, if, if you're in switchgrass and, and the birds are more or less erupting, you know, straight up, um, out of the tall grass, uh, you know, I can adjust the angle, you know, uh, so it shoots the birds, you know, it shoots the clay birds, uh, you know, up and out, um, uh, you know, to practice for hunting in, in brown grass or kind of mixed cover, I can change that angle. So, you know, you can, you can practice shooting, uh, we call them skimmers where they're, they may get up out in front of you. Right. And, you know, they don't go straight up. They're just going to blow out of there and, and get away from you as fast as you can. And so both of those, um, I think prepare you really well for upland birds. Um, uh, quail are, quail are tough to, they're really tough to practice for, for me anyways. Usually, you know, when they get up, it's, you know, we don't see them that often. So when they do, you know, the, the shock of seeing them is, is the first thing. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I got to try and catch up to this, you know, this uh, baseball size speeding bullet. And so the only real uh, preparation that, that I do for that is, you know, I can, I can uh, increase um, the speed of my thrower. So it's, you know, really zipping them out there hard. Um, and then I can back it off a little bit, uh, uh, so we can shoot the, you know, big fat pheasants, uh, uh, instead of, uh, instead of those little, uh, rockets. Right. So does the lead differ then? Um, because that's one thing that I've always had trouble with in, in the past is, is knowing how far to lead, uh, the target, Mm -hmm. um, because it it could look fast to you, but it's angling harder away from you, which means that you don't need to lead, lead it as much. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So how do you know, is is that just experience or is that something you practice? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, and, and there's kind of, uh, in, in researching this article, there's, there's really kind of three, excuse me, three, um, you know, main schools of thought, uh, around, you know, lead and swing and, and follow through. And so, um, for pheasant hunting, um, uh, for, you know, slow ducks, you know, air quotes, um, I think a guy can get away with, um, 
kind of the, the belly button beak uh, uh, technique. It's really, you know, when that bird flushes or, or, or is coming by, you know, when you, when you point at that, at that bird, you're, you're starting, you're, you're catching up from being, you're catching up, right? You're starting behind it. You're swinging through the body. And then once you, you know, once you get out in front of the, the head, you're pulling that trigger trigger and uh, following through. Uh, if you need to shoot again, you know, that makes sure that you're ready to, to fire again. And so uh, that's really kind of the swing through method or, you know, it's called lots of different things, but that's how, you know, my dad taught us all how to shoot uh, really uh, focusing on, you know, the beat on that shotgun um, and then, you know, focusing, uh, you know, on the bird. Uh, it's funny, you know, if, if I remember, I, if, if I try and remember all the misses I've had in my life shooting that either, uh, you know, birds or ducks or what have you, um, you know, the birds that I, that I've shot, I, I don't even hardly remember the process, you know, it, 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 when it works, it works. You don't even, you don't even have to think about it, but the times that I've missed, it's, I, I remember every, every aspect. Well, I, I had my lead out here. I, you know, I, I, he was going really fast. So I thought I would, I would, I would treat him, try to lead him out here. And so, um, I think that, that part of that is, you know, being comfortable with the gun, making sure you have a good gun that fits and in, in practice. Right. Um, but there are some shots, you know, that, that lend themselves to a different method. So, you know, if you're shooting, uh, you know, if you're shooting teal out of a blind, you know, they fly really, really fast. Um, and so a lot of guys will, they, they call it maintained lead where that, when those birds are coming in, you swing through them, you find a spot out in front of them that, you know, that, uh, kind of matches their speed and, and you, you start shooting out in front of the bird, um, and maintain that, that follow through, right? Um, and then there's other, other, uh, techniques where, you know, you do the same thing, but you pick a spot out in front of them and you fire and you hold. And so, um, I have not done, I'm by no means a, a waterfowl shooting expert by any means. Um, but for passing shots, you know, at, at pheasants that are, you know, say, say you're in a, a line of guys and you're spread out 50, 60 yards across the field and, you know, a bird gets up from one side and it's crossing, you know, by the time that thing gets to the other end of, of your line, you know, that thing could be a 50, 60 feet up in the air and going 55, 60 miles an hour. And so, you know, being able to, you know, uh, swing through and shoot and then also being able to kind of use a more maintained lead approach where this thing is at full speed. You may not even be able to catch up to it just trying to swing through. Yeah. Being able, practicing both of those and, and being comfortable with both and, and knowing when to use one versus the other, um, you know, that, that really is going to benefit, uh, really benefit a shooter and, and make sure you're prepared for really any scenario. Gotcha. What would you say the learning curve is on something like this? Is this something that uh, you, could, you could manage in a day or does it take months to, to get to a point where, you know, because I, I am an advocate of not picking up a weapon and going out hunting. I feel a guy should, you know, practice for the benefit of harvesting, you know, a quick harvest. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I agree a hundred percent. So, 
and, and it kind of depends too on on the shooter, right? Is this a you know eleven, twelve, thirteen year old kid, you know, with their first gun, or is this an adult with the first gun? Uh, both kind of present challenges, right? Uh, you know, a, a young kid that maybe got passed down a shotgun. You know, first thing they need to do is in the you know the mentor the parent needs to do is figure out you know you know this this gun might have been passed down um you know kind of write a passage thing you know we, we did it in my family and pretty much all my friends that hunt you know had had similar guns passed down through the years um uh, it's really it's a neat idea and, and um you know it's it's a really neat tradition but uh, it doesn't necessarily lend itself well to that young shooter. You know, if you're, if you're passing down a, you know, a 30 inch barrel, you know, 870 or Ithaca or Winchester to a, you know, a 12 or 13 year old, uh, girl that is, you know, kind of slight of build, you know, it's going to be difficult for, for a kid to, to just pick up a, pick up a, a, a shotgun like that and, and be successful. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, if you know, if you're, uh, if if you have an adult starting, um, you know, it, it really doesn't matter, 12 or 20 gauge. But if that gun doesn't fit, you know, they're going to struggle for the same reason as uh, as as the kid in the, in the previous example. So, um, I think you know, if, if somebody approaches it the right way, they find a, a, a you know a shotgun um, that fits the shooter relatively well. Um, I think, you know, in a day they can be hitting clay birds. Yeah. If it's the, you know, if you've got a big heavy gun that somebody can't, can't swing well, if you've got one that's, you know, that's too small that they can't swing well, um, you know, I think they're going to struggle. And so it really, there's a lot of factors involved, but it's really important, um, just like fishing or, or, or anything else, right? You want it to be fun. Right. You don't want them to get, you know, get their shoulder banged up, um, while not hitting any targets during the day. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, starting out with, with, uh, a shotgun that, you know, uh, fits them reasonably well. Um, and then teaching them the proper mechanics, um, uh, of mounting that gun. Um, you know, I think in a, in a, you know, in a good day or, or maybe over a weekend, um, a kid or an adult, you know, uh, I think they could start busting some targets. Gotcha. Now, one thing that I've always been kind of uh, green on is matching the ammunition to the to the gun, depending on what the actual uh, the species or, or target actually is. So, I mm-hmm. don't own a twelve gauge. I have a twenty gauge, and that twenty gauge with a three inch slug or a three inch uh, shell has killed a lot of turkeys over the years mm-hmm. and does does any like how do you match up the the shell for a, a wing a, a wing shooting sport like uh, pheasants quail waterfowl mm-hmm. so I, I think all things being equal um you got to take into consideration um distance you know your average distance and then you know the size of 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 the, the critter that you're shooting at. Right. Right. Uh, you know, if you're shooting, you know, 20 pound Canadian geese or, 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 you know, at, at 40 yards or, you know, 50 yards, you know, that's why they make these three, three and a half inch, um, 
um, shotguns. So you can, you can sling that real heavy, um, uh, you know, two shot or T shot up at, up at, uh, these high flying geese that, you know, aren't easy to bring down. And so on the flip side though, if you're after, you know, quail or, or doves or, or, or even partridge for that matter, uh, while you do need a little bit of range, um, uh, you, you don't need a three and a half inch shell. Uh, you could even get away with some, some, uh, you know, some low brass, low brass rounds, you know, by mean by low brass, I mean, they, they don't have as much powder. They may pack a, a little more shot versus powder. Um, and you could go with a, you know, a seven and a half or, or a six, which, which gives you a lot more, um, a lot more babies in your pattern. Um, but you don't, you know, you don't need 40 or 50 or, or 60 yards of range and you're shooting a little tiny, you know, a little tiny bird. So right. that's kind of what I use, you know, how far do I think I'm going to be shooting? You know, am I shooting big birds or little birds? Yeah. Um, and I go from there, um, from 12 versus 20 gauge, you know, I think that's really personal preference. Um, I think for younger shooters, you know, you don't want to get them, uh, flinching and in real recoil sensitive, uh, or just like, you know, fish or anything else. If it's not fun, you know, if, if they're getting the crap kicked out of them by, uh, by the gun, then they're not going to want to do it anymore. And so I think a lot of guys and, you know, at least the guys I hunt with, you know, our dads or moms or, you know, whoever our hunting mentor was, you know, a lot of people will start with a 410. I mean, they, they kick very little. Um, they're, they're excellent for, for rabbits and squirrels and, and things of that nature, um, just to get into the sport. And then you, you know, a lot of folks will, will then graduate them to a 20 gauge. And then, um, you know, as they become an adult, they can either keep the 20 or, or stick with the, stick with the, uh, or, or go, you know, upgrade to a 12 gauge or, or stick with the 20. Personally, I, I have both. Um, and, you know, to your point, I can buy three inch, you know, three inch Magnum or, or three inch 20 gauge shells, um, uh, you know, and shoot them out of my, my side by side that, that are roughly the same velocity, roughly the same, um, charge of shot as a two and three quarter inch 12 gauge shell. Uh, the benefit is my, my side by side 20, it, it's like a toy. I mean, I, I can carry that thing for miles and miles and miles all day long and, and not feel tired. You know, my Benelli, uh, you know, with, with five rounds in there, things like a, like a boat anchor. Yeah. Uh, my Ithaca is a little bit better, but you know, uh, a light 12 gauge, um, well, is great for, for, uh, you know, carrying through the field, it, it also kicks a lot more. So it all just kind of depends. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I have both, um, day in, day out. If I'm hunting, you know, heavy switchgrass, um, you know, if it's early in the year, I'll typically go with a regular two and three quarter inch, 20 gauge round with, with number six, I might put, uh, a round of four shot in my second barrel, but, you know, as it's, as the season progresses, and the pheasants get, uh, really bring on their, their heavy winter, um, feathers, you know, I, you know, we transition to four shot and, and we don't switch a four or five shot, but usually four shot, right. you know, towards the end of the season, because the birds are just, they're a lot hardier. Um, plus, um, 
they're wilder. You know, they get up, they get up, uh, you know, at range and you need a little extra knockdown power, um, uh, towards the end of the season. Okay. So what about the addition of a choke? Is that something for a more experienced hunter? Uh, no, you know, uh, so every, every, every shotgun has some, uh, version of a choke, right? A, a shotgun, um, will, you know, you, you either have a, an open bore, um, you have an improved, a, a modified or a full, or, you know, if you're a turkey hunter, you know, you get an extra full or extra, extra, extra full, uh, depending on, on, uh, you know, how far you think you're going to be shooting or how dense you want that pattern to be downrange. But, um, uh, you know, every shotgun's going to have some, um, level of choke. Um, uh, and so for pheasant hunting, you know, if you're shooting a, a side by side, you know, or, 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 or an over under, they're usually an improved and modified improved for your first barrel and modified for your second is a, is a real popular combination. Uh, for the birds that get up close, you've got, um, with the improved cylinder, you've got a more open pattern. Um, you know, you get less range, uh, with that improved cylinder choke. Um, but if you happen to miss on the second, on the first shot, that modified choke in your second barrel will extend your effective range so you can follow up and, and still hopefully, uh, knock that bird down. Gotcha. Uh, you know, if you're goose hunting, uh, again, and you're, you're shooting a high flying, um, uh, you know, really heavy birds, you know, a lot of goose hunters are using full chokes or extra full chokes, um, not only for the range, but also to make sure that, um, they have as dense a pattern as possible, um, you know, out there where they, where they feel like the goose are going to be flying just, just like a turkey, right? If you want to shoot, uh, if you're, if you're hunting open fields for turkeys with decoys, um, and you want to be able to shoot 40 or 50 yards and knock that thing down, um, and it's tracks, you know, an extra full choke, some, you know, Magnum fours or some dedicated Turkey loads are, are really going to, uh, improve your success. Okay. Now I know we're kind of coming back full circle on this next question, but you know, we, we just talked about the, the gun and the bore and, you know, whether it's improved or, you know, adding a choke or, uh, the, a shotgun or a 20 gauge versus a 12 gauge, whether it's a, a three inch or a, a three and a half inch or whatever, does all that then change the, the lead time depending on like, I don't know, like does, does the, do the bullets come out of the gun faster, which means you have to lead your lead is shorter on some of these animals. Uh, I've never taken that into consideration. Um, you know, a, a magnum, a magnum load of a four shot out of a 12 gauge versus, uh, you know, a two and three quarter inch load of four shot out of a 12 gauge. You know, I think a lot of that is just, uh, PR and hype, you know, okay. um, uh, a, a big cloud of BBs going a couple hundred feet per second faster. Um, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. I think that's just an excuse for ammunition uh, manufacturers to to sell you higher priced uh, higher priced uh, ammo. And that goes for you know from in my opinion that goes for for uh, uh, deer hunting slugs as well. You know you you might shoot a three inch or three and a half inch slug and 
but if you actually look at the ballistics, you know, in most cases you're 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 not gaining very much other than a heck of a lot more recoil in blast. Yeah. Okay. All right. So anything else that you want to share with us in regards to, you know, being the best uh, wing shooter that you could possibly be when it comes to the, the ammunition, the gun, the practice? Uh, you know, I think, and I, I covered this in the article, I think, you know, first thing is, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, you know, if you're only going out once a year, um, and it's more of a, you know, getting together buddies or getting together with family. And, you know, it's not so much about, uh, you know, filling your, filling your vest with birds. You know, we, we would all love to go out every, every time and, and, uh, you know, get our limit or, or whatever. Um, but if the, the experience is more important to you and you're going out once, maybe twice a year, you know, the, the, the prospect of investing in a, you know, an expensive, inexpensive gun that fits you perfectly is, is not necessarily uh, worth it. Right. right. Um, you can get by with a, you know, a, a Mossberg 500 or an 870 or, 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 a, you know, if 37 or, you know, any of these guns that you can pick up used at a, at a, at a Cabela's or, or a gun shop for, you know, less than, less than 300 bucks. Now, if, if you're a guy who is, you know, a weekend warrior, a guy who's actually taking vacation time, if you go to South Dakota or, or, you know, Southern Iowa or, you know, pheasant hunting, or you also are packing in a, you know, uh, an Arkansas duck hunt or, or, you know, one of these guys that is a wing shooter, that's something that you do. Uh, or if that's something you want to get your, your, uh, your kids into, I mean, first thing you got to do is, is, is find a gun that fits, um, you know, and, and find a gun that, 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 uh, that that shooter can, can shoot well. Uh, there's nothing that will sour somebody on wing shooting faster than, you know, not being able to hit anything. And yeah. so for me, that starts with finding a gun that fits. And, and I think, I think your example at the beginning of, of our, uh, of our time here is, is really relevant. You know, uh, you're a guy who doesn't admittedly doesn't spend a lot, any time practicing, but you went to an event, picked up a gun and I, I suspect it's one of those that, you know, the gun fit you really, really well. And so, you know, you, you find somebody that, that finds, you know, that picks up a gun that fits them really well, uh, that it's, that is a, you know, able to point that thing like an extension of their arm. Uh, you know, your story alone tells me, you know, gun fit is, is huge, huge, huge part of, of shooting. Well, you know, if you, if you're pulling if the stock is too long, it's not going to get your, you're not going to get your shoulder mount right. And so you're going to be shooting high on almost everything. If the stock is too short, you know, you're going to have the opposite problem. You're going to be overmounting the gun and shooting under everything. But if you find one in that sweet spot where every time you mount that gun, it's pointing just like an extension of you, right. um, that's going to, you know, that's going to really um, improve your odds of success, even if you don't necessarily have the best technique as far as leading leading birds having a gun that fits you well will close the gap pretty quickly and then you know learning uh the swing and follow through those things those things uh um uh, can come later and, and those are much you know much easier to much easier to learn just just like bow hunting you know you don't you, know, you don't buy a bow online just because it's a good price 
you know, you go to a pro shop or you go to a Bass Pro, you go to Cabela's, you pick up as many as you can. You know, does that fit my hand good? You know, does it, you know, is, am I comfortable drawing this? You know, if I, if I had a deer come under me, can I hold this thing in full draw for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute if I had to? You know, going back to your comparison in the beginning, the fit is, fit is critical. Um, and with shotguns, I think, you know, that's kind of your, your starting building block. And, you know, you can build technique and, and uh, work on different types of leads and things. But, if, man, if that gun doesn't fit, you're never going to shoot real well. Right, right. All right, so last question. If a guy wants to start wing shooting, whether it's, I don't know, pheasants, ducks, quails, whatever, is there a species that you would recommend starting out with before they cannonball into, you know, everything? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, that probably comes more down to access, if I had to guess. It 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 does. Um, that's a tough one. I w- I would say, um, you know, be honest with you, if somebody's just getting started out, um, and, and and assuming you know they have a, a decent a decent shotgun. They've had the ability to, to practice, um, you know, dubs are the first season that opens. Um, and I tell you what, if a guy, uh, if a guy wants to learn how to lead and shoot successfully, uh, if a guy can, can consistently knock down dubs, he's going to be able to shoot. Him. I mean, a pheasant's going to look like a, 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 a basketball flying through the sky. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's the first season that opens. The weather's usually pretty nice. You know, you're not freezing your butt off, and, and if you, you're in a decent location, um, you can see a lot of action, you know, in a morning or in an afternoon. So, you know, I don't think doves would be a bad option. Uh, you, you know, you're not expending a ton of energy. You're not, you know, walking miles and miles and miles and miles for for uh, little to no uh, opportunities. And so, you know, I think, I think doves would be a good start for, for a lot of different reasons. Gotcha. All right. Mr. Joel Johnson, I really appreciate you taking time today to hop on and chit-chat with us. Uh, Good luck. I guess uh, you're a pheasant hunter, right? That's correct. All right. Well, good luck uh, chasing those birds this fall, and good luck in the the timber with the bow and arrow, and uh, good luck overall. And uh, I guess we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Sounds great, Dan. Thanks for having me. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Again, be sure to go check out the Iowa Sportsman website. Be sure to subscribe to the magazine as well. And also, please go support our friends at Bondurant Custom Furniture, BondurantCustomFurniture.com. Everyone, the deer hunting season is here. We're getting into fall. We got duck hunting season coming up, if not already here. Our waterfowl season, we got pheasant season coming up. Please, when you're outside, be safe think of others first and uh you know also try to get a new hunter out and uh you know share the experience of the outdoors with them other than that be safe and we'll talk to you next week